Central Baptist Church this morning. It's good to see each one of you here. Now, if you will, find you a place, get you a songbook, and we'll turn, first of all, to the very first song in the songbook, number one, My Savior's Love. And I'll ask you, if you will, to stand.
Amen. Shake hands with someone around you there and tell them good morning. Well, good morning, good welcome to our Sunday School Hour. Good to see each of you this morning. I've got a bunch of announcements, so pay attention. <laughs> I was reading one time about some of the um, big churches that they're um, paying people that are professionals to make their announcements. And uh, I thought, well, how in the world would you do that in church? I, I think one of, one of the... Uh, one of the TV programs, Jeopardy. Have you ever watched Jeopardy? My wife loves that. I, I get tired of it after a while, but but um, she likes to watch that. <clears throat> and um, that announcer on there, you know, he'll start telling who the people are and the champion, and and he's already won twenty six thousand nine hundred dollars. I think is that the way they make the announcements in churches? You know, talking about. We're now going to take up the offering, so get out your checkbooks and make out your checks for $10,000. Well, uh, teen camp tomorrow morning, be here, those of you who have kids, it'll be, be going, be here at 5.50 a.m., 5.50 in the morning. Uh, have them have all of their gear and also the money that that if they haven't already paid the money they'll need need to be paying to go. Um, have them to eat breakfast before arriving. Be leaving here the church parking lot at 6:30 in the morning. That's tomorrow morning. So uh, be sure that you, if you have teenagers, you have people going to camp. Be sure to take note of those announcements. Also today at the park, uh, the bus, the bus uh, people be going out to the park today, going to be having snow cones. And then there will be a fun spot activity on July 28th. Uh, so you got plenty of time to save up money for that for your young people. 
Um, this coming Thursday is uh, Seniors Breakfast. Brother Tony and also Brother Matt will be at camp, youth camp. But uh, arrangements have been made. Now, the uh, diner, Eagle Lake Diner, is closed for the rest of the month. So the, uh, the breakfast will be at Egg City in Haines City. And what you need to do now is come here to the church Thursday morning. Uh, and arrangements have been made for uh, drivers to take you over to Egg City. Be leaving here at 7.45 a.m. Can you remember that? Uh, so be here and... Uh, I've never been there, uh, but I've heard a lot of people say that it's very good, very, really very good. I know every time I go by there, parking lots slam full. So that's a pretty good indication. It must be good food. <clears throat> you know, I always hated to pull up to a restaurant and there was maybe one car sitting there saying, uh-oh, something not right here. <laughs> so that would be, that would be, um, this coming Thursday. Also, if you um, if you have given toward uh, camp, helping the young people to go, we want to thank you. Uh, if you still like to give, there's still there's still room, <clears throat> so um, you can uh, you can still give the camp. The cost of the camp is two hundred ten dollars. You can give all or part of that if you if you want to be involved in that. Also, we're in need of additional nursery workers. If you'd like to spend a couple of, I, I, I think now that, that you only, some of you that stay in the nursery, it's only once a month, isn't it? One time a month. So, I mean, you know, what lady couldn't, you know, couldn't spend one or two hours a month with, uh, with some of those precious humans on earth, those little babies. And um, so if you, if you would be available for that, uh, let Miss Tabitha know or Pam or just call the church office and um, <clears throat> they'll get you all set up. And we appreciate that. Our nursery, nursery workers, they, um, they have a very important job and um, we're so appreciative of what, what they do. I know back years ago, uh, I can remember, you know, going to church, didn't have a church nursery, and um, and there was always kind of a contest between who was the loudest, the babies in the auditorium or the preacher. <clears throat> so it's good to have a nursery that you can put babies in so they're not a distraction. Babies are a distraction. They don't, they don't know, they don't know they are, but they are. Now, you can see a mother sitting in the audience with a baby, and even if the baby's quiet, everybody in the whole big circle all around, you know, they're looking at the baby and making you. <laughs> so that's a big attract, big uh, distraction. <clears throat> all right, did anybody have a birthday this past week? Any birthdays? Okay. You have one too, Lord? Happy birthday to us. <laughs> 
Some of you remember Brother Crowell used to be here, and when he would come for anniversary, he would he would say um, 140 years. I said, "Man, that's a long, long time." He said, "Yeah, 70 for me and 70 for my wife." <laughs> All right, um, continue to pray for Nell O'Neill. She um, she they have put her in a um, rehab place now over near Tampa Land Lakes I think is the name of it Land Lakes uh, Nursing Center so uh, she, she, there has been some improvement but but she still at this time she's still uh, paralyzed on her right side and she's still not able to talk Janice's mom after she had the stroke she never did was able to talk again and um, so I don't, I don't know you know different things different people but pray for her brother king continue to pray for him if you have an unspoken request this morning raise your hand and we have a we have a lot of folks that are traveling um sherry and david uh they're going somewhere on i think it's their anniversary and um and then my family steve and gina family there um up in uh New England country, <clears throat> so remember them as you go to the Lord in prayer. All right, Brother Smith, would you lead us? Amen. out for a few minutes. I need to check on Janice. So, uh, 
so don't take offense. Morning, uh, Galatians chapter four. Galatians chapter four, once again. Oh, good. I got there quicker this morning. Galatians chapter 4, uh, let me uh, go ahead and do a, a recap while you're getting there, um, like I do every week. Um, I think we can just uh, kind of summarize Galatians 1 and 2 as basic authority, the, the authority of the Apostle Paul. He, he discussed uh, that his authority came from Jesus Christ, and his, his authority was on par with that of the other apostles, so he wasn't uh, anything less or different or even above them. Uh, and then, of course, the authority of the gospel uh, that he was given, um, that was a gospel that was understood more perfectly, um, and it's the same gospel. If you go through Acts, it's the exact same gospel that was preached by Peter, uh, that was preached really uh, all through the, the the book of Acts, and, and so it's the same gospel. Galatians three, we he starts to kind of get a little more personal. He starts asking them questions about how they got to this point. How'd you get saved? Was it some some kind of uh, work that you did? How did you start out? And and of course their answer would have to be that they started in the spirit. It was, a, it was a spiritual conversion apart from any works of the law or anything that they did. Um, then we, we, he, he kind of gets into the history of the promise and the history of the law as it relates to the promise in, in uh, chapter three there. And then, uh, and then we, we talked a little bit about our relationship or mankind's relationship with the law. Last week we went over um, at the beginning of, of chapter, the end of chapter three, beginning of chapter four, we started talking about uh, this aspect of the adoption of sons and how he's, he's really explaining to the Galatians, look, you're not under this, this uh, old economy anymore. You, we've moved into uh, the new way that, that God is dealing with mankind, which is what we're under now as we're in this, uh, what we would call a parenthetical um, period in time between uh, the, the, where the law stops and where uh, the rapture happens. So the next thing on the calendar is the rapture. We're, we're all looking for that, obviously. Um, and this morning we're going to start, in, and I'm going to back up two verses for context's sake, uh, and start in verse 4 and, and read through 11. I hope to get through 11. Um, if I get through 11, it's just going to be kind of an intro, and then we'll, we'll go back over those in a little more detail next week. Uh, so don't think that I'm trying to gloss over anything. I'm, I'm not really, not that you would, but uh, just to, so you know, I'm not trying to gloss over anything. I really want to uh, give every, every verse its due. Um, because they're all there for a reason. They're for our learning and admonition, and I think they're all important. So, um, but this morning, uh, last week, I, I focused a little bit on the, the the inheritance aspect of the adoption, and we talked about this this uh, matter of being placed as sons, and and we talked about how in that society they would have understood that as, you know, you be, you've become an adult, and in our society it's kind of 18, and, and the Jews then, the boys were 13, the girls were 12, and in Romans, uh, for the Romans, it was 25. That's when you're eligible to uh, to operate as an adult, essentially. And where if your father passed away, the inheritance would not go to an intermediary until you reached an age, but that you were at that age where you could receive that. Uh, but I don't want to I don't want to pigeonhole the adoption in in just that because the adoption is is actually much more than that. And and we're going to get into that a little bit this morning. I don't want to spoil anything, but this is this is one of those lessons that, that has a lot of applications, so uh, I don't want to get too far out of the context, because this, this is what the Galatians are supposed to be understanding here 
Uh, so I want to make it clear that I'm not trying to I'm not trying to remove us from the context of who he's who the audience is, but I think that there's a lot here for us, and and I I hope that it's a blessing to you. I I, I I'm going to get into some things that I I hope will encourage, um, and I, I, I hopefully it'll be a blessing and a benefit to you. So let me let me start reading in verse four uh, of Galatians chapter four, and we'll go through eleven. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Let's pray. Father, uh, we need your help today. I need your help to deliver this lesson. Um, I ask that you'd help all of us to understand your, your word more perfectly in a way that would uh, be an encouragement and an exhortation, Lord, uh, and, and uh, edifying unto good works and uh, to honor and glorify you in our lives. We ask that you'd be with other uh, Sunday school classes here as well and bless, uh, bless those classes. Lord, we ask that uh, you'd be honored and glorified in everything that's said and done. We love you and praise you and thank you for everything you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, back to verse 6. Uh, and it says, and because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And, of course, we, I, I've heard a lot of folks taking a lot of liberties with this, and I, I don't, it, it gets a little into the, the corny realm with the Abba, Father stuff, so I'm not going to really focus too much on that. I think we've all heard many, many times over what that means and, and understand that that's a, a term of, of endearment. Uh, Jesus had uh, cried to, out to, to God, uh, asking for the cup to pass from him, he, he called him, calls him Abba, Father. So it's a, it's a familial uh, phrase that, that's used. And, and um, adoption, like I said, there, there's kind of two elements to adoption. We talked about the placing uh, as a son for inheritance. Um, and then the other part, though, is, is the familial part, that, that becoming part of the family of God. That's you're, you're gaining a parent. You're gaining a, a father. And... and um, the, the, here's the beauty of adoption, and some of you may have experienced this before, but uh, my, my brother and sister-in-law, this is Tabitha's brother and, and his wife, um, they, they're unable to have children. They've, they've tried for many years. I think they're, they've been married for, uh, it's not quite 10 years, I don't think, maybe so, but it's been a while, and, and uh, they know for a fact that they, they're not going to be able to have children, and so they've they, uh, gone to an adoption agency, and they've, they've uh, put together a book um, of like pictures of them and things about their family and, and different things about them to give uh, to these mothers that are going to give up their, their babies for adoption, and the mothers choose which family kind of thing. Um, and, and maybe they all work like that. I don't know. Maybe it's just this one particular uh, group that does it that way. But um, I know that at, every, at the beginning, this has been going on for, for several months now, um, and at the beginning, when they first hear about this, this, uh, this baby, they'll say, well, there, there's a baby coming up for adoption. They'll let them know, you know, don't leave the house, kind of be prepared, have your stuff ready, because when it's time, you got to come get them. And so the, 
the first couple of times they get invested, right? They start, they read about the child and, and, and everything like that. And they, you know, really the first couple of times, especially my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law too, but uh, I was told that they're falling in love with this baby. And, and then they find out maybe the, the, that the mom had picked somebody else or something like that. Um, so, but, but the point is that there's th- this, this element of love that exists. That child has done nothing to earn that. that, that they don't even know this child yet, uh, even in the sense that God would know us. But just the fact that they're, they're going to have the opportunity to bring this child that they've never met, black, white, you, you know, whatever, they don't care, you, you know, whatever the, the race, color, it doesn't matter to them. They want a child to love and to care for. And the fact that they're already in love with this child before they, they've even met it. And, you know, multiply that so many times over for how God loves every man, woman, and child on this earth that, that he sent his son to die on a cross for their sins, for our sins. And so adoption's not on merit. It doesn't, you have done nothing. And so as the Galatians are, are hearing this, this, this aspect of adoption, it's, it's not, you couldn't have done any work of the law to, to earn this. God, God adopts his, those that believe on him. There's nothing uh, about their works that would, would have earned this. That, that's not what adoption is about. You don't earn adoption. Adoption is something that you receive. It's just that you, you, you need it and you receive it out of love. It's based on love. Um, so, so the process here is it, it, it kind of goes this way, and, and I'm going to refer to some verses here, uh, and then we'll, we'll dive a little deeper into it. But, um, and, and what kind of the, the focus, just so you know the direction we're going in, just to get you in that realm, is just talking about the benefits of adoption, particularly related to the Spirit. And we'll see why uh, here in just a moment. So uh, Christ came to redeem that we might receive the adoption of sons. We see that in verse 5. And, and we know the verse, John, uh, John uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, 12 and 13 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There's nothing that, that, that anyone's done to receive this. It's, it's you receive Christ and, and you believe on his name and you're converted. You, you get, you're given power of God, not, not of your own works or anything you've done. So those who receive Christ become sons of God. We see that in, in verse 6 of our text here. So not, not just children. We're not just children, but we're, we're placed as sons, as we talked about, but we receive the adoption of sons. We're, it's something that's received. So... Those who are sons of God have also received the spirit of his son. That's what it says there. Um, this in other places is called the, the spirit of adoption. Romans 8, 15. I'm sure you've read this verse before. We may have hit it in the last couple weeks. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And if you want to hold your place in Galatians 4 and keep a finger over in uh, Romans 8, I'm going to go there again if you, if you want to see... Um, the verses that I'll read several there here in just a minute. Um, so it's called the, the spirit of adoption. It's, it's called uh, the Holy Spirit of promise, uh, the earnest of our inheritance. Uh, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, and I believe we've been here as well. In whom all, ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So 2 Corinthians 1.22, 
it says the same thing there. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ hath anointed us in, is God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. And then uh, 2 Corinthians, again, uh, f- chapter 5, verses 4 and 5 says, For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being bur- burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. And so we see that we get this, this earnest of our inheritance in the form of the Spirit. This, that's the earnest. And, and the, but the final and, and eternal realization of our adoption is this. And, and if you want to look at Romans 8 here, I'm going to be reading 18 through 23. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. So the first fruits of the Spirit, it talks about here, uh, the first fruits, of course, were the, the pledge of the harvest. It was the first ripe fruit of your labor. Um, and and, and it's, that's something that happens when you first get saved. So it, it, uh, there's folks that kind of twist this a little bit and want to say that, the, that these are some kind of, this is some kind of slaying in the spirit and you're flopping around on the floor like a fish and all this stuff. Uh, that's not the case here. It's talking, this is talking about something you receive it, that, you, that you don't ever receive again, that it's a continual thing. So these first fruits is the first thing that happens when you get saved, which we understand that uh, is the sealing and the earnest. We, we, we're sealed. When you get saved, you're sealed. You're, you, you, you are given the earnest of the inheritance. You have 100% of the Holy Ghost. We talked about that at the beginning of Galatians, that you, you don't receive in part the Holy Ghost. And, and, and that's the thing I, we have to be careful with when we define earnest, because it does mean, uh, or allude to, it, it means a pledge, but it, but it alludes to and was used uh, in, in, in Greek as the uh, the kind of the, the down payment like we would we would do for a piece of property or something like that, which if you're not careful, you can think, well, that's something that's in part and we're waiting for the whole, but it's not the Holy Ghost that, that we get in part. It's the, the promise that, so we, we both have the promise because of the earnest, but we're awaiting the fulfillment of the promise when we pass over into eternity, if that makes sense. So it, it, it's saying here that, Although it is a blessed and joyful thing to presently have the earnest, we groan within ourselves, waiting for the fulfillment of the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 41 through 43, it talks about uh, the glory of the sun, and there's another of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. That's, that's what we're waiting for. That's that redemption of our body that we're waiting for. So, so the, the question is, and I answered it a little bit previously here, but the, the question would be, how, how can we both uh, be both redeemed, as we saw back in Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse 13, where it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, 
And at the same time, we're waiting on redemption. How can it be that, that we're both adopted and considered sons, as we see in our text here? And it says, and because ye are sons, and at the same time, be waiting on adoption, as, as we read in Romans 8, 23. We're waiting uh, for the adoption to with the redemption of our body. And so I can illustrate this. I, I was reading uh, about uh, shepherds and, and farmers in, in Europe, and it's, it's gone on for hundreds of years, and maybe in other societies they did. I couldn't find anything where in Bible times they did it this way. But the, in Europe, the, in, in England in particular, they would have common land that wasn't privately owned by anyone. And this common land, uh, would, sheep would, would graze from all different farms and all different, you know, they had all different owners. And so if you were to look on a, a hillside that was common land and you, you'd look across that and you'd see all the sheep there, you would, you would be able to see different colored stripes on the backs of these sheep and on their haunches. There'd be blues and yellow, you know, whatever kind of paint or dye they were able, the, the farmers were able to find. And, and so the, the, the sheep would mingle together. The sheep knew each other. They knew what, who their, their own were, but there's no way for the farmer to tell. And so these are called smit marks, S-M-I-T marks. That they, and it's uh, that paint stripe on the haunches or the back. So when it's time to gather or redeem those sheep, the shepherd knows which ones are his. And, and so it is with God the Father that, uh, as we learn in John chapter 10, and I think I read this the other day as well, that my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And then they tried to stone him after he said that. So, so just as the sheep in the illustration mingle and graze among strange sheep, uh, we too are surrounded by sheep from a different fold. There's, we're surrounded by lost people, you know, the, and, and we, we know about the parable of the wheat and the tares. We're in among those sheep, but God knows who are his. Um, so just like that, that farmer or shepherd marks his sheep to set them apart, God has marked or sealed us with the Holy Spirit. Uh, just as that paint stripe from the farmer seals those sheep, it, it also shows that they have been purchased. They don't belong to anyone else. Uh, no one else has a right to those sheep. It's an earnest from their shepherd. It's an understanding that they, 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 are, they belong to someone else. So, so God has sealed us with the Holy Spirit, who is also the earnest of our inheritance. We're not only sealed, but there's been a transaction made. Uh, Jesus paid our ransom on the cross in blood. And so we fully belong to God. We're sons, and the Holy Ghost is his seal, his guarantee, and his pledge that he's coming back for us. So we don't, we don't receive the Holy Ghost in part. We receive 100% of the Holy Ghost, it's, but he is the pledge for that promise that's coming, the fulfillment and the completion of that promise. Uh, the shepherd is no less in possession of his flock when they're on the hillside among thousands of other sheep than if they were on their home farm in the presence and direct care of their master. So, so it is with us that, just as, uh, we, that we are just as redeemed. We are just as much sons of the Father uh, now as we will be when we're at home in heaven. And so we, we uh, as I said, we think of it as a portion of the transaction, but we, we, we can't really look at it that way. Uh, because folks walk away and, you know, if somebody puts earnest money down, the understanding is that, well, if it falls through, then you get that money, right? Um, it's not the case here. That, that, that's, that's not what this is talking about. This is, this is a promise from God. And, and it says in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, chapter 5, uh, verses 5 through 8, it says, uh, in he, now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing 
that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So we're always confident. We, we know that this is going to happen. God made a promise. God cannot lie. He made this promise, and, and we, we can always be confident in knowing. And, and you see, you, you can't be homesick without a home, right? You, you can't groan for something that, that you don't possess, that, that, you, that you don't already have. Uh, it, it's, it's from the Lord. If he isn't your father, uh, you can't be absent from him, right? You, you can't be absent from, from your father if, he, he doesn't, if you don't belong to him. And the, the Spirit gives us this confidence. Um, I, I, the kids are getting ready to go to church camp, and uh, Brother Matt was saying when he used to work at the church camp over here at Landmark that he, his job was to talk the kids into staying one more day. Just stay. He was like, just stay one more. Just give it one more day. And I was one of those kids back with my first experience at church camp. I, I went, I was seven or eight years old, and I had no idea what was going on. I was the only one there. I have two younger brothers, but they were too young to go. And I show up, they show us around the camp, and we, they show me where my cabin is. My parents left, and my heart just drops. And, and I, so I go, and the cabin that we had, we had no counselor. There was no, there was no adult in our cabin. So it's me and a bunch of other little kids in there. I have no adult to talk to or to go to or anything. And I'm sitting there the first night just terrified and homesick. I, I wanted, I longed so much for home. I wanted to go home so bad. Um, and, and I didn't call. I stayed the whole week, but I was, I was uh, really quite miserable. And so as we see, in, as we read in uh, Romans 8, 23, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body, and so why do we groan? It's because we should be homesick. We we, we have a better home. We we have something beyond this life. There's something there's something better than this. Uh, I had a pastor that used to say that uh, this is the closest to hell. When you get saved, this is the closest to hell you're ever going to get here on earth. This is it. You know, unfortunately, this is the closest to heaven that unsaved people will ever get, and that's a sad thing. But we, we have something much better to look forward to. It gets so much better than this. This, this life is, is minuscule in comparison with the eternity that's waiting for us. So, so we groan because of that, we, but we, we also groan because we, we draw nearer to him. We're supposed to be daily drawing near to him. We're supposed to be in, our, in, our, in his word and reading and, and, and getting uh, sanctified by him, becoming more uh, conformed to the image of his son. And that's a continual process until we, we, we get to heaven and we're glorified. But we, we learn as we go to lean on him more and more all the time. We understand that we don't do anything in and of ourselves. It's always him. And it takes some time to get to that point. We all know that. Uh, you don't just get saved and then the next day you're just completely relying upon God. You've spent your whole life in this comfort zone of I'm going to take care of my business, I'm going to do what I have to do. And God starts giving you little things at a time, sometimes big things that cause you to lean upon him and to to increase your reliance upon him. And so as we do that, we we learn how good he is and how gracious he is and, and, and how close he is to us in those difficult and hard times. And we love him for it. We love him more than we did the day before because of it. Uh, we, we groan because of that, because we're drawing near to him, because we know him better. And we, we groan because life gets to a point when we, we have more loved ones in heaven than we have down here. I, I haven't got there yet, but I've talked to people that tell, tell me, 
I, I know more people in heaven now than I do down here. I've got closer family and friends in heaven now than I do down here. What a blessing and, and to think that, that it's just going to get sweeter as the time goes on. As, as, as we realize that, hey, I'm getting closer to this point, but guess what? I've got not only Jesus is waiting there, which is the ultimate, right? But I've got family and friends and loved ones that are there waiting for me, longing for me to be there, thinking about me. Because they want me to experience what they already have, have in possession right now. What a blessing. And we groan because of that. Because of that. We groan because we have a better hope as, as that ties into that. Hebrews 7, 19, for the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. This hope should draw us nearer to God, understanding that inheritance, that promise that waits for us. So, so the, the Spirit is given to us to identify us as children of the promise, as God's own children. But unlike the farmer, the farmer has to look at a stripe on his sheep to see, well, God knows who, who are his, and I don't mean to diminish God in any way, because he, he doesn't need a stripe. He doesn't, he doesn't need us to, to, in a sense of identification to know who we are, to have the Spirit. So why does he give us the Spirit? He, he gives us a Spirit for us. The Spirit's for us. The, you know, the, the in the illustration I use, the stripe is for the farmer, but the spirit is given for the children. We, we need the spirit. Uh, it's so that we can know. It's so that we have that comfort. Uh, in verse 6, it says, And because ye are sons, he has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That spirit, no, uh, uh, p- the possession of the spirit, that indwelling spirit, enables us to cry out to him as our, as our dear father, as, as, as our dad. As, as that, that close familial uh, father and daddy in our lives. That's, that's, what, that's what we have because of the Spirit. So how can we know? And I, We'll just do a few things, and I'm running out of time. Um, we have power over fear. Romans 8, 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have to receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And we read that. 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we have power over fear. We have uh, comfort in the word of God, and, and, and we receive comfort from other believers. First uh, Corinthians 2, 12 through 14, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, the which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So spiritual things, as we, we've talked about before, uh, Romans seven fourteen says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So we understand that the law is, if we're talking about just the law, uh, that would be one thing, but we're actually talking about the whole body of the law, the entirety of Scripture that they had at that time is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual book. The, the Word of God speaks to us in a spiritual way, and so we can understand that it's, when it says spiritual things with spiritual, we could say, well, God speaks to us now through His Word, and so we compare scriptural things with scriptural things. Romans 15, 4 says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We're to rely on the scriptures for that comfort and that hope. If you're not in the word of God, if you're not reading your Bible, if you're, if you're not constant and consistent in doing that, you're, you're really not hearing from God. You hear from God through preaching, of course, that, but 
that's just a few times a week. That, that personal time of devotion, that personal study time, and, and, and I've said this before, that uh, if, if you get full reading one chapter, then praise the Lord. You know, and, and that happens. Sometimes there, it's just deep, and, and God moves in your spirit, and, and you're blessed by that. But, but a lot of times it's more digging. It's more reading through. Hey, sometimes it takes five, six, seven chapters, and, and, and you shouldn't stop until the Lord has spoken to you. You shouldn't stop until your heart's been moved by the word of God. That's how we ought to approach the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about the rapture and says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's scripture right there. That's the word of God. We're supposed to comfort one, one another with scripture, with the idea that we have that blessed hope, that we have the rapture, of course, but it's scripture that it's referring to. 2 Corinthians 1, 4, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. We comfort each other. We comfort each other by the comfort wherewith we, we ourselves are comforted of God. So again, I've talked about being a debtor to others. With God comforts you in your trial so that you can comfort someone else. You become a debtor to another believer, another brother or sister in Christ, and even an unbeliever can see Christ in you as you provide that comfort that you've been comforted with. But it's, it emphasizes the importance of being with believers. It's, it's uh, 1 Thessalonians, as I quoted, comfort one another. 2 Corinthians says comfort them in the context of the church. Uh, we have to be around each other to do this. You see, coming to church isn't just so that you can receive something. It's so that you can give something to someone else. It's so that you can comfort someone. It's a blessing to me to see folks with a smiling face when they come through the door. I love shaking people's hands. I, I like being around other Christian people. It's a blessing to my heart. It's a comfort to me. And, and I'm not the most talkative person. Not every, and, and you don't have to be outgoing. You don't have, to, you don't have to be an extrovert. You can be an introvert and still receive comfort from people of God. That, that's, what, that's what it's talking about. We, we, we get comfort from each other. We, we have, uh, in the spirit, we have all of our prayers answered 100% of the time. What do I mean by that? The, the thinking, I understand, and, and this is a whole other thing, but the, the yes, no, and wait, I get that. And I'm not, I don't want to diminish that at all. I, I understand that, the, those, that has been preached. But, but I want to share something with you that the, the, the prayer of every believer, every single prayer has a definite answer every single time you pray. And you can find this in Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And here's the answer to every prayer, every prayer you'll ever pray. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the, the, the first thing we have to understand is that we don't need to be careful what we pray for. I understand it's funny to talk about be careful, don't pray for patience and all that stuff. That's not the case, though. We can't be anxious. We can't be worried about what we're coming to the throne of grace with. We have to have that full reliance upon God. If it's You're going to need the patience anyway, so why not ask for it? He, the Bible says that he knows what you need before you even ask it. So if you need patience, if limiting what God can do for us because we don't have enough faith to do what he says right here, this is all understanding. Well, well that may be because we're not praying and bringing him everything. He wants everything. He's asking for everything. For all the money in the world. And so he got it. He got all the money in the world. And everyone else had no money. And all these trucks full of money started coming to his house and dumping money all, all, all over his house. Sometimes we see God that way. Like, well, if I pray this, what's he going to do? What's this going to bring? Is it, gonna be, is it some trick? Is it some deception? Why? Why? 
why would he be that way? It, it, John, Luke eleven eleven says, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for, for a fish give him a serpent? No, of course not. He, he tells you to bring him everything because he wants you to bring him everything. Bring him everything and you'll get that peace that passes all understanding. And we, it's a necessity to pray everything, he says. You see, the Holy Ghost is God's gift to us. It indwells us and identifies us as sons to the point that we can call out to God as little homesick child, like I was all the way back then, like I was calling out, just begging in my mind, in my heart. I yearned for my parents. Jesus even told his disciples that it was to their advantage for him to depart so that he could send the Comforter, the Holy Ghost. In John 16, 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. So obviously, I didn't even make it to verse 7, but we'll pick up next week. I thank you for your good attention. I'll pray here. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the Holy Ghost that uh, comforts us and, and for the opportunity to pray to you and the opportunity to be in your house among other believers for, to gain that comfort. Uh, we love you, Lord. We pray that you bless the service to come. Bless our pastor as he, as he preaches. Bless the singing and the worship. May you be honored and glorified. And we thank you and praise you for everything you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.